Hello, and welcome to episode 41 of the Day Sun Digest podcast. I'm your host for this episode, Angelina Davis. I am one of the liaison clinical pharmacists. And today I want to chat a bit about antibiotic overuse and stewardship at hospital discharge. And this is piggybacking off of a recent episode that we did on this podcast uh, that was published on June 3rd of last month, um, where we discussed a number of stewardship opportunities at hospital discharge. And I ran across this uh, very recent article that was published in Clinical Infectious Diseases in May of this year that really provided a framework for reducing the overuse of antibiotics at discharge home. And I thought this was a wonderful opportunity to really dive a little bit deeper into not just the data around a particular intervention associated with, you know, modification of the regimen at this point of transition, but also thinking about how do we approach this overall from a framework perspective. So this brings us to the article that we're going to be discussing today. It's actually written by lead author Valerie Vaughn and colleagues, and it is once again reviewing hospital overuse and stewardship at the point of discharge and really designing this framework. And now the benefit of this framework and the framework they named the road home framework, a very cute name, I must say. Um, The benefit of this framework is that it really can be helpful to identify those critical elements that may be missing in your stewardship program that prevents you from impacting the prescribing patterns at the point of discharge and beyond. Also, uh, it tackles the existing interventions that we have in place and how those can be constructed and designed in a fashion that helps us to make an impact at the point of discharge because we're building and designing those interventions with discharge in mind. And last but not least, it really talks a lot about the the plan for 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 specific standalone interventions that occur at discharge that are meant to directly impact prescribing at that point in time and do that in a very effective way with the the typical uh, clinical structure and uh, things that we have on our plate in in terms of just workload in the clinical setting. So I am excited to to dive deeper into this because I think it'll get our wheels turning in terms of, you know, thinking about how we're going to approach this particular problem as we move forward. You know, we always hear about uh, the number of patients that are admitted on average to a hospital that receive antimicrobials. And many studies, uh, you know, pretty much say that antibiotics are prescribed to half of all patients during hospitalization. And even within our DASUN network, we can speak to the fact that on average, roughly about 50, 55% of all patients receive antimicrobials. And so we know this exposure is a a definite uh, concern because we want to make sure it's most appropriate. Now, the one statistic we don't hear about as often is the fact that more than one in eight patients receive antibiotics at hospital discharge. That's still a large number of patients that are walking out of our hospital doors with some type of antibiotic therapy, whether that is oral or intravenous. And and so, you know, we have to think about the impact of these excess days of antibiotic therapy, that impact 
on the health of our patients and potential for other infections, super infections, and things such as C. difficile infection, as well as drug resistance issues. And then also just adverse events. One of the most common antibiotics that is prescribed at the point of discharge is actually the fluoroquinolones. And we know that fluoroquinolones definitely can be associated with a number of concerns and issues. But up to 80% of fluoroquinolone days of therapy that are prescribed is actually prescribed after discharge. I actually didn't even, I didn't realize that myself. Um, so when I was reading through this study and going back through the references that they, that they provided, I found this particular statistic to be just astonishing. When we think about everything that we try to curtail in terms of use on the inpatient setting and the fact that we're doing that work and that work is very beneficial, but we still have such a huge battle uh, to fight when it comes to making sure that the outpatient prescribing is most appropriate. Now, when we think about um, the point of discharge, there are typically three key areas or three scenarios that uh, we have to most often target or be concerned about. So the first is discharge to a skilled nursing facility. Now, one of the reasons why this is an important point of transition is because as we know, when many patients are being transferred to a skilled nursing facility, they often have higher nursing uh, care needs. And so if they have those needs, and if those needs are associated with some type of infection, then the likelihood of antibiotic use is going to be greater in that setting. Many of these patients that are discharged to skilled nursing facilities are in particularly vulnerable to being exposed to many of those negative effects that I just mentioned. Everything from antibiotic side effects to drug resistance to infections from multi-drug resistant organisms and how that impacts their comorbidities and things of that nature. It is a very complicated picture. And so when we think about this this prescribing pattern, it often starts on the inpatient side. And the antibody prescribing that's occurring on the inpatient side is carrying over to these facilities most often because many providers are you know, really nervous about changing a regimen that started on the inpatient side. So when they get to the skilled nursing facility, that monitoring that is occurring there is going to be just carrying out oftentimes what the provider on the inpatient side has recommended. There is fear with making a change. And so this is one key area where as you know, practitioners in the inpatient or acute care setting, it can be very helpful for us to give a, a plan and optimize therapy before that transition of care to a skilled nursing facility. Now, another uh, key point is in the emergency department, especially for patients that have been admitted for observation. There was uh, one uh, small single center study that's cited in this particular uh, article that dives deeper into uh, the number of patients that are prescribed an antibiotic on discharge from observation. And in that study, it showed that 79% of patients in the in observation actually received additional therapy and they this therapy typically was received in excess it was often inappropriate and often unnecessary. And so when we think about the fact that more than 10% of ED visits are related to infection, the fact that we can tie that 
to, I know it's a small and a single signal study that, that was cited, but the fact that you can tie that volume to the fact that a, a large bulk of it may be unnecessary and not needed. So that keys us into another potential area where we can have an impact. And last but not least, you know, we always have to keep in mind and think about outpatient intravenous therapy. So patients that are receiving outpatient intravenous antimicrobial therapy. And in those cases, we know that there is a potential for um, antibiotic therapy to also be inappropriate in that setting. So because those are the most common points where antibiotics have been prescribed, at least as we have seen documented, I want us to be mindful of that as we're thinking through this paper and thinking through uh, how we can utilize these framework elements. So we've talked about the most common points of transition that are typically impacted by discharge antibiotic prescribing that may be uh, excessive or beyond uh, the point that is desired. And we've talked a bit about the, the consequences of that in terms of negative outcomes, um, in terms of adverse events, as well as uh, things such as C. difficile infection and drug resistance. But now I want us to briefly discuss some of the barriers to measuring antibiotic use at discharge, because when you're thinking about how to impact or change a metric or a goal, you often have something that you're shooting for and something that you're looking at that tells you whether or not you're making progress. And there are some barriers to being able to even do that in a discharge setting. So one of the first things is that Many times the inpatient and outpatient electronic medical record actually don't speak to one another. <laughs> so even if those two systems exist, it's not always the case that uh, one can easily see what's happening or occurring on the outpatient side. And so being able to really describe what's happening at that point of transition and being able to see what has occurred once the patient has been discharged is important. And many times we can't do that. One of the second things is that some hospitals do not use electronic prescribing systems at discharge. And so if they are, you know, for instance, in a smaller or rural setting, and they're actually calling in prescriptions to a local pharmacy or some other, uh, sending it some other way to be filled in the outpatient setting, we would not have that information captured electronically, at least not easily accessible. And so that can also prevent us from being able to really drive change and have an objective measure that we're able to look at. Another barrier is really the fact that there's no incentive to measure discharge antibiotics. And I have had this come up in practice many times where because there is not a direct impact on the hospital budget or there is not a regulation in place to mandate or encourage providers to optimize this prescribing, then sometimes it doesn't occur. Having that incentive there can be helpful. And right now it's a barrier because we don't have an incentive that is in place. And I did want to mention that in this article, they do reference a recent publication um, from our network at Daysun. Um, this was one that was published by April Dyer as the lead author that looked at a process for measuring length of therapy for patients discharged with electronic prescriptions for antibiotics. And I wanted to mention this because they talk about 
about how some facilities have been able to impact these measures. And I just want to let you know that you're in a network that is always on the cutting edge of doing this. Um, so I hope that um, you will find that as interesting as I did. And I think we have a previous episode that's dedicated to that as well. But the fourth thing is that there are also challenges in defining appropriate versus inappropriate at the point of discharge. And so we don't even have a clear definition with regards to appropriate use versus antibiotic overuse. So when we're thinking about improvement, there are a lot of barriers for us to capture the data. There are barriers um, in place that do not allow us to easily see what's going on in the outpatient setting. We don't have incentives to help others really focus on this as an effort. Um, we don't know how to really define appropriate use. And so because of that, there's no consensus on what metric should be used or uh, the numerator or denominator data that should be captured. We don't know how to evaluate the effectiveness of the interventions that we are making. So that remains a barrier or a number of barriers that we have to this process. So with keeping all that in mind, we can think about some key stewardship targets for antibiotic discharge that can be helpful to target uh, because we know based upon the points at which the antibiotic overprescribing typically occur and the barriers that are in place, these are some things that we can actually do and target that can uh, help us improve prescribing with all of those things in mind. So one of the things that they suggest in this uh, in this paper is that one of the targets should be stopping unnecessary antibiotics in patients who were initially considered to have a possible infection. So those are our patients that come in that we may see some type of infiltrate on the chest x-ray and they are thought to have um, a, a pneumonia process or some infectious process. But then later, once they have you know been treated, diuresed, et cetera, they are found to have a non-bacterial etiology in such as heart failure and therefore... Antibiotics can be de-escalated or, dis or discontinued, but if that's not done within a certain time frame, if we don't have antibiotic timeouts in place, if we don't have that review at 48 to 72 hours, those antibiotics may continue into the point of discharge and then may carry on from there. Another target that they suggest is uh, to really look at patients who have a confirmed or likely infection but in which the duration of therapy is excessive. So really looking at limiting treatment durations. Another is reducing fluoroquinolone use at discharge. It remains a, a target mainly because, as I stated before, there's such a heavy volume of fluoroquinolone use in the outpatient setting. So just focusing or targeting efforts to uh, really audit fluoroquinolone use can be a helpful target. And then last but not least, Reviewing patients that are going out on intravenous antimicrobial therapy, that can actually be optimized many times and they can be switched to oral therapy, reducing their treatment durations and being able to optimize the dose of those agents or stopping them altogether. That also prevents this excess ongoing antibiotic prescribing. So that is kind of laying out the, the landscape the, of what we are experiencing today and what we have to think about when we're developing a framework. And so now this is where we get to the good stuff. This is where we introduce the road home framework.
So once again, the goal of the Road Home Framework is to improve antibiotic prescribing at discharge. And the way this framework is laid out, I want you to envision a three-tiered approach. So there are three tiers to this framework in which they recommend that you should approach the whole process of trying to decrease antibiotic prescribing at the point of discharge, at that point of transition. I want you to envision these tiers as like a brick wall. And at that tier one level, the lowest level, they term this as the critical infrastructure. This is what they describe as being those key antibiotic stewardship practices that need to be present in any stewardship program to develop the critical foundation needed so that additional higher level interventions can work. And so this critical tier one structure includes things such as Dedicated stewardship resources, so having that dedicated investment in the things such as informatics resources or IT resources, dedicated antimicrobial stewardship, uh, personnel, uh, various systems that and policies that are in place to um, help that be carried out in terms of hospital policies and promoting stewardship. They also include updated infection treatment guidelines in this tier, as well as overall education. So I want you to think about this lower tier as what many of us have as a goal for developing a fundamental antimicrobial stewardship program. So according to this framework, in order to impact discharge, you must have the basics. You must have this critical layer of uh, infrastructure that really helps you to uh, make your providers knowledgeable of what antimicrobial stewardship is, what the need for really being um, careful with antibiotic prescribing and optimizing antibiotic prescribing, following guidelines and policies so that you can optimize use as much as possible. That is your tier one level and the tier one strategies that are included. Now, when you move to the next tier, the next tier of this framework actually addresses broad inpatient interventions. So these are interventions that you're going to make on the inpatient side that improve patient care, but they don't directly tie to discharge. So there are things that we normally do, interventions for the inpatient setting that do not directly tie to discharge. However, they have the potential to carry over to discharge in terms of their impact. So I want to give a few examples of this because this may be a little bit um, difficult, to, difficult to understand. So when they're looking at the tier two interventions, these are things such as antibiotic restriction or maybe even antibiotic timeout. And I like to focus in on antibiotic timeouts because I think that in practice, I have personally found this to be extremely helpful. But definitely these are, these are scenarios where you will make an intervention such as an antibiotic timeout and you are calling to the attention of the prescriber the duration of therapy, the cultural results, and determining whether or not antibiotic therapy should be discontinued, a treatment duration set, or ID consult obtained, or streamlining of de-escalation occurs. When you're thinking through that process and making decisions at that point, you can control how long an antibiotic is prescribed or maybe narrow the spectrum of the antibiotic that is going to be continued. There are a lot of changes that can occur at that point. And because they occur earlier on in the patient's admission, when they come to the point of discharge, if, for instance, the treatment of duration has been uh, added to the chart, then that antibiotic may be discontinued before they would go home. And therefore, you have prevented 
the discharge antibody prescribing. Or maybe they have been placed on a narrow spectrum antibiotic, and so therefore you may reduce the number of antibiotics that the patient is going out on. There are a lot of changes that can occur based upon this earlier intervention that impacts the outpatient side. And so I want you to think of that as tier two strategies. Some other examples of this are things such as syndrome-specific audit and feedback or EHR integration, medical record integration, or even diagnostic stewardship interventions. These are all things that we look at doing on the inpatient side to control inpatient use, but if done effectively, they actually can impact outpatient, especially when we make these interventions with discharge prescribing in mind. And so an example of that is, for instance, if you have a provider that's limiting treatment duration, instead of just capturing that in the progress note, carrying that over as an order in the medical record so that it then can be stopped before a discharge or easy for the provider to see what the anticipated or expected duration of therapy or recommended duration of therapy would be, and then place a limited duration at discharge to match that time frame. So there are ways that we can be mindful of how these innovations interventions are implemented and how they're created and do so with the intention of actually impacting antibiotic prescribing once they go home. And so if you're looking for more examples of the tier two strategies, there is a table within this particular uh, article that looks at a summary of targets and example interventions for discharge stewardship. And so I think this is a wonderful table to comb through just so that you can get some ideas of how to uh, improve communication or how to provide the shortest effective duration, things like that, that will help you to impact that discharge prescribing. Last but not least, we have our tier three strategies. This is what I want you to think of as the top of that brick wall. It represents the strategies that are specifically targeting that point of transition of discharge, discharge home. And there was a recent uh, systematic review that found only six studies total that really dive deep into these discharge specific interventions for stewardship. In this article, they reference three evidence-based strategies for improving antibiotic use at discharge. So of those six studies, there were three evidence-based strategies that are recommended to be used. So one of the first of those is providing data on discharge antibiotics. And this is really helping to bridge the communication barriers that we often have in terms of the electronic medical record and other inpatient communication so that providers can see how long a patient has been on therapy and what needs to be done as they move forward in terms of treatment durations and limiting duration of therapy, reassessing the antibiotic regimen and things of that nature. So providing data on discharge antibiotics can be helpful to to impact uh, the prescribing patterns at that specific point of transition. The second thing is focusing on targeting fluoroquinolone use at discharge. And this can be done by, for instance, incorporating 
uh, some suggestions into order sets or maybe maybe even considering something as removing fluoroquinolones from common order sets that are used at discharge. Uh, really kind of beginning to find ways where you can implement a specific intervention that curtails the use of these agents when a patient is being discharged home and definitely also limits treatment duration for these patients. Uh, so that is another effective strategy that can be used. And the last is that they recommend having a pharmacist review or even having antibiotic timeouts that are focused at the point of discharge. And this has been extremely helpful. Uh, they found that in other transition of care studies that 14.4% of trans transition of care pharmacist interventions actually involved antibiotic recommendations. And most often that was for dosing or duration of therapy or drug interactions. But if we're able to get pharmacists more involved in that discharge process, the, you know, the hope and the expectation would be that you will also have an opportunity to drastically improve the prescribing at that point as well. And when you think about antibiotic timeouts, it's another point at which you're able to step back, take a pause and reassess the need for continued therapy or the duration of therapy that would need to be used. And this can be similarly done when patients are going out on IV therapy as well. Those three key interventions, they label and identify as being highly effective if you're looking for interventions that need to be in place at that top level, at that top tier, where you are going to uh, really focus on discharge-specific strategies. So once again, those include antibiotic use data on discharge antibiotics, really trying to curtail a lot of that fluoroquinolone prescribing, and then the pharmacist review or antibiotic timeout right at the point of discharge. The goal with the framework is to improve the antibiotic prescribing at multiple points of care during the hospital uh, stay or admission or, or admission to the ED, and then improving the outcome of discharge antibiotic prescribing through many of those methods and their combined impact um, on the, the way that we are managing patients overall. Um, there are going to still remain a number of needs, even if you implement a framework such as this, uh, because you have to remember that we once again need a standardized method for being able to measure antibiotic use and overuse at discharge. Uh, there is no adjusted metric on a national level or some type of um, incorporation to a national report that can address antibiotic use at discharge. And then also just, you know, the inability to identify key strategies that have led hospitals to excel in appropriate antibiotic use as discharge while others have struggled. So we can't really identify between the ones that have been uh, beneficial and those that have caused um, some difficulty. We, we just don't have that full scope and view of what has occurred. And also that that uh, prospective discharge stewardship interventions are needed in order to best identify how we can optimize this process. So it is difficult to see things retrospectively or to uh, kind of rely on piecing this puzzle together. Ideally, you would want to have a way of monitoring these transition points to figure out how you can optimize that point in time and the, the processes that occur in that point in time. And with the manpower needs that we have currently and the lack of ability and in, in funding and things of that nature to support such interventions and efforts, it is difficult to do so. So I really um, did enjoy this article. Once again, this is a publication 
in clinical infectious diseases. Um, it is by elite author Valerie Vaughn, who is out of um, the University of Utah School of Medicine. And this article is entitled Antibiotic Overuse and Stewardship at Hospital Discharge, the Reducing Overuse of Antibiotics at Discharge Home Framework. And once again, it is helping us think about how we can put in place a similar framework to curtail a lot of excessive excessive antibiotic prescribing at the point of discharge home for many of our patients. I hope that you enjoyed this article and this information will be available in the description of this podcast episode. And until next time, take care. 